It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim LaCoe. Jazz win uh, tonight over the Hornets, 120-102. to 102. Let's go right downstairs and hear from Coach Hardy. See, they're a better shooting team than two for 16, but when the, the margin is that big in attempts, I like our chances. When you look at, um, you know, just the totality of playing four quarters, like you, you say you want to, how do you, how do you roll that over from, from, from game to game? Yeah, it's, it's really just about... Every game is something new. You have to recenter yourself. Um, the last game is very unimportant. And win, lose, play well individually, play poorly individually. The great thing about the NBA is that there's always a, another opportunity coming right around the corner. And I think it's just the ability as a team to to refocus and just get back to kind of ground zero uh, of, of starting a game and understanding that it's going to be 48 minutes and it's going to take a long time and you have to maintain that focus. Um, you're never going to beat a team in the first three minutes of the game. And it's just about digging in for the long haul. And I think our team's gotten better about that over the course of the year. I think that's why we find ourselves in almost every game. Um, but tonight it gave us the ability to pull away in the fourth quarter. Uh, we just were able to maintain that focus and not have big lapses of time where we're not mentally tuned in. You guys had a really heavy road schedule to start the year, and you've been home a lot lately. You've got one more game on Wednesday on the road, and that's it for the month. Mm-hmm. What's the what's being home done for you guys? Oh, it's it's unbelievable for everybody, and it's the ability to actually get a little bit of rest, um, to not be on a plane as much and getting in super late. I think also for everybody to be in their own home and be around family and not be living out of a suitcase. Um, you know, I'm not complaining about the way in which we travel. It's very, very nice, but it is great to be able to be in your own facility. Um, you have all your equipment and you got all the medical stuff for the guys to recover and, um, you're not as scattered when you're at home. And so I think our team did a very good job early in the year of maintaining some focus and kind of dealing with a tough stretch of road games. Um, Every NBA team has pockets of the season that the travel's hard. It's just the way it goes. And we seem to have ours early in the year. So it's definitely nice this time of year, especially as fatigue is starting to set in. You start getting around the 50-game mark and – you know, guys' legs are starting to get a little tired, so to not get on planes and, and be home around your family, um, it's able to – it gives you the ability to have a little bit of balance mentally, um, and I think that's huge. 
When you see that fatigue beyond legs, or how does that translate onto the court or practice? What do you see? Yeah, it's the the mental and emotional fatigue is real. Um, The ability to maintain focus. I think we all know in our lives at different points when you're tired, it's hard to focus on the task at hand. And so um, when you're home and you're able to have a little bit more of a rhythm, a little bit more of a predictable schedule, so to speak. Um, it, it gives you a chance to to be able to kind of crank your brain up when you need to um, because you've kind of gotten some rest on the front end of that. When you're on the road for a long time, you're bouncing around, you're getting in late, you're changing time zones, you're on the plane, um, you're getting up at different times for morning meetings in the hotel or going over for shoot-around, sometimes at 10, sometimes at 11, which... An hour is not a huge thing, but when you're very routine based, like like these athletes are, like it it impacts you a little bit. Um, everybody goes through it, so there's no complaining. It's not like we're going through something that nobody else is. But when you're home, you're able to really dictate your schedule a little bit more, and I think it just gives you the chance to, when it's time, when it's seven o'clock, and it's time to crank your brain up, you're ready to go. I recognize it's only January, but with how jam packed the standings are right now, how much are you paying attention to that? Oh. N- very little it's i mean one day you're fifth and one day you're 12th the the west is adventurous right now i think it's great it's very competitive uh a lot of teams kind of right in the mix but we got a long way to go and things can really change between now and then then i think you know our team right now our biggest focus is maintaining kind of that mental edge um this time of year everything about the nba is telling your brain to relax there's the trade deadline there's rumors there's all-star break coming up oh just get me to the break so i can get some rest like you can make a little bit of a run here in this pocket of games we're lucky to have a home friendly schedule before then um and so it's really just about can you dig in mentally um and maybe try to get a little bit of an advantage right now um that being said, we've got a long way to go. And so, um, you know, anything that happened tonight, a win or a loss, is not going to make or break our season. Um, we have to find a way to continue to have a long view. Um, we think as a, as a team and as a staff that we can still get better. And I think that's our objective is how can we make this team from today until the end of the year continue to try to make improvements on both sides of the ball. And uh, I think if we do that, you know, hopefully the results go our way. Uh, Steve uh, Clifford was saying some interesting stuff before the game about kind of the I- idea around player development. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Eric that asked him, like, Lowry's kind of stepping out in his, like, fifth year, and is it surprising that, you know, he's doing that? And he's like, well, actually, that's, like, pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And the idea that we kind of cap players off, like, when they come into the league, it's like, oh, a 22-year-old can't turn into something good. What, what are your kind of views about how players develop and when do you decide if that's what they are? Yeah, I I mean, I'm glad nobody judges me based on who I was when I was 22. You know, like you can always improve. And I think these guys as players, there's a lot of pressure um, coming into the league. You're highly touted. You could be a high draft pick and you're 19 years old. And I think back to when I was 19, just like who I was as a person, like how could you possibly be fully ready for all of that? Um, because you are still growing as a player, but as a person as well. And so I think, you know, I I had uh, a coach one time tell me, you know, wouldn't it be nice to be known as the coach that never judged a player too early? Like, 
they can get better, and we've, we see it all over the league. You see guys that they're at their first stop, and people start saying, like, oh, he's a bust, or he's this, or he's that. And it, it's just it's easy to make those snap judgments. There's so much context that goes into all these things, as we know, people around the NBA. Like, you see that there's there's always nuance to it. And, you know, it's funny that Lowry's, like, coming into his own. He's 25 years old. And so, like, again, think about your own just life. Like, yeah, 25 is an age where maybe you start to feel a little bit more comfortable just about who you are, um, no matter what you're doing for a profession. So um, we definitely try as a staff and as an organization to to look at each player and say, okay, this is where they are today. What do we think – they can realistically add now and you have kind of phases of goals you have the short-term goals you have kind of two-year goals and then you have five-year goals it's you can't get it all now um but i do think that it would be very short-sighted of us to look at a 22 year old or a 21 year old or a 25 year old and say like oh that's it like they can't get any better um you know, it's one of the fun things about basketball is like you can always get better. Like I was, I've been spoiled to coach some Hall of Fame players and to watch them work at age 37 and still tweaking little parts of their game. Like that's what makes basketball awesome. Cool. Thanks, guys. There you go, Jazz head coach Will Hardy and his uh, post game comments. A lot of interesting stuff in there about development, coach. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about just the comment he made. When you think about yourself, I mean, at 19, I was not even close to the person I am today. I think that it's crazy to think what these guys go through at such a young age. Um, you know, the development piece, the coaches, all those guys in that daily grind, um, really helping these guys become better, you know, become better versions of themselves. And uh, like he said, you know, that's why – our society, we want to do everything so fast. You know, we want to do this rebuild in a year. And, but anything good takes time. Uh, obviously, young guys in a good position here, uh, good basketball being played and, and certainly great coaching being given. I like that he uh, kind of broke down the short-term, middle, and long-term approach. And he did it in a few different spots in those comments. But even said, you know, winning or losing tonight's game maybe doesn't have all that impact. And I know you and I especially get caught up in the night tonight because we're here and we're talking about it. But it's interesting that they're in a constant evaluation, constant development. And it, I think it seems to me like Coach Hardy has very good perspective and is a, is a good coach for this position that the Jazz are in, or at least that's kind of how I read it. I see what's being done, and you compare it to like Houston, you know. Um, the Jazz are taking a different approach, there's no doubt about it, and a big part of that is who they got back, you know, and the players, but ultimately, um, you know, the the franchise, in my mind, like that's the interesting part about a rebuild, is you don't want to set the wrong precedent. You want the culture from day one to be set and, and then kind of develop. I like the way the Jazz are doing it. I know uh, there's critics and saying, you know, they're winning too much or any of that. But uh, I, I think they're on a really good track when you look at what they have um, and who they have and then their ability to move around. Exciting. Exciting times and a great win tonight. Yeah, and a fun team to watch. I didn't think the Hornets were particularly fun to watch tonight, but I do think the Jazz are fun. Even when they're imperfect, they're a fun team to watch and they're full of high energy. And I, I think Coach Hardy has a personality that's translating onto the floor and you know, I think there's a lot of good to talk about in Jazzland. Uh, you know, even though they 
back or, or back up at 500, and we'll probably hover somewhere close to that throughout the remainder of the season. It's still exceeding expectations, as you pointed out. The over under from Vegas has been uh, achieved, and identifying players that are are going to have a spot going forward. I mean, start with Lowry Markkinen, but you know, move to our walk off guest tonight, Walker Kessler. Ochai Obaji had kind of a a hard fall tonight, and I guess injured his wrist, but came back and made an impact. And you know, some players that that are going to be a part of this thing in the next two to three years. Yeah, in, in a game tonight, you know, you want to see the Jazz go out there and and be the bigger team. We've talked about it a lot, but they definitely got off to a slow start. But beyond that, um, really, I thought they shared the ball well. They rebounded the ball exceptionally well after a while. Twenty five assists. So again, that mantra of play hard and pass. Um, you know, rears its head again. Another win tonight. Um, and Charlotte was. They're not interesting. They're not, you know, without LaMelo particularly. But just a, a kind of a who's who of really good prospects, um, former great college players, but, you know, not guys that have really taken outside of maybe, you know, Rozier was with the Celtics on their runs. Um, but beyond that, just a bunch of guys who, had some talent, have some talent, but hard, having a hard time stringing it together. With that, we'll say goodnight to our network stations. Our next broadcast is coming your way on Wednesday night. The Jazz will be in Portland to take on the Blazers. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Jazz beat the Hornets tonight, 120-102. to 102. For those of you sticking around with us, we've got some player sound for you coming up. And we'll continue to get Coach Lacombe's thoughts on this one. You're listening to Utah Jazz. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacoe. Jazz post game. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Post game is brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Jazz win tonight over the Hornets, 120 to 102. We'll get you some player sound uh, coming up here as they are made available, but the Jazz were led tonight by Lowry Markkinen, who had 25 points on an, what an efficient 25-2, coach. 8 of 14 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3, 5 of 6 at the line. He had 11 boards, 2 assists, a steal and a block, as he continues to be just fantastic. Yeah, he's so fun to watch. Um, Absolute, like, poetry in motion right now, shooting the basketball in such a rhythm. And, um, you know, the, the way the Jazz find him, you know, found him in the corner a couple times, but always ready to go, always uh, coming out and, and, again, efficient. Didn't get to the line as much, but really thought the Jazz had a lot of things just off the pass, drive and kick. Um, I guess they're three-pointers, 29 in the first half, and 
Only took 11 in the second half, but 40 for the game. He pretty much got anything they wanted off a couple passes. And Lowry didn't get to the line at all against the Nets. So interesting how we saw him go to the line, what he had that night where he was 17 at 21. It's crazy. Uh, Just something nuts. So uh, goes to the line 5 of 6 tonight, but had those 25 points. 18 from Jordan Clarkson, who really had a nice, especially third quarter, 8 of 16 shooting. They got 14 from Mike Conley. Uh, 13 from Walker Kessler tonight. He also grabbed nine boards. Um, Colin Sexton had 11 coming in off the bench. He was three of eight shooting. He was five of five uh, at the line as the Jazz really had no trouble scoring the ball tonight. Shot 48% from the field, 16 of 40 from three for 40% for the Hornets. Terry Rozier had 23 points, and he took 23 shots. He was nine of 23 tonight, and normally – me, you know, critical of all, would come in and say, 23 shots for Terry Rozier. But who else is going to shoot him? I mean, he's he's the Hornet scorer. They they do not have a whole lot of shooting on the floor. And LaMelo Ball would, would certainly help things. But I don't know who is the scorer on this team. Gordon Hayward only took seven shots. Maybe you'd encourage him to take a few more. But, I mean, it's kind of Rozier's world offensively. The most dis- in- disinteresting team in the league. That we've seen. Is that too critical? I'm not trying to come out here and hate on anybody, but it's just just, how it felt. I mean, there was just a. I don't know. And Ron Booner said it exactly what we were feeling. Where are they going with this thing? You know? Where are they going? So you're right. I mean, it would actually be scary if Terry Rozier did not shoot 23 times because that would require a bunch of other guys to do it. I mean, Plumlee falls into his shots. Uh, Hayward's kind of a shell of himself. I mean, it's, it's sad, but true. Uh, and P.J. Washington, I know young guy, uh, has had much better games than this, but was a one for seven. So it was not a beautiful game for Charlotte. Uh, but I, I was encouraged that the Jazz did after the first half, after the first quarter. Yes. They turned start. it over six times in the first quarter and trailed 24 um, 21, but only two turnovers in the second quarter. And the Jazz just kind of went to work uh, and felt like they almost went back and got regrouped. I'm like, guys, they, they were just trying to do it. Make two plays at once, you know, is what it felt like. After that first stretch, Charlotte really wasn't in the game. No. I mean, they, they'd close it to single digits, uh, you know, every once in a while. But, you know, it almost felt like the Jazz-Nets game on Friday, but reversed, where in that Nets game, I know it was close at the end, but it felt like the Jazz were treading water, fighting an uphill battle the whole way. And it uh, felt like even more so with the Hornets tonight, they just weren't in it. No, it, it was, uh, again, when, when the Jazz got, they got 12 corner threes tonight which would be in the top 10% of any game to get that many, made 6 of 12, but that is just an absolute tell tell sign that the ball can go wherever it wants to. If you're going to get 12 corner threes in a game, uh, conversely, the Jazz give up three right to the, to the Hornets. So um, a really good offensive game. Thought the Jazz got some really good things done um, and did what they had to do, just beat a team that needed to be beat. The Hornets were only two of 16 from three. We just don't see that in a box score ever, ever. ever. Both those numbers. No, absolutely not. Uh, All right, let's go back downstairs. Let's hear some player sound and uh, Mike Conley. Same thing with 
were talking about earlier today was kind of the idea of Lowry breaking out at age 25 and kind of this narrative that like once a guy gets to 22 there tends to be this you know outside noise that oh like that guy is what he is at this point I guess just from your perspective like it seemed like you know coach making the point like hey like I was coaching guys on Spurs who at 37 were doing like little things to improve so it seems like it's maybe not that surprising from from your viewpoint well um, you know when you got a guy with the you know the talent and the stature of like a Lowry you know not many seven footers that can move like that um, and you just give him a a new look, a new destination, a new team, new coach. Um, you know, the players around you really matter. You know, and I think for him, getting a fresh start here was was big, and guys just really diving in and saying, hey, Lowry, you know, be yourself, be confident, go score 40. Like, we're asking him to score 50, 60 points, and he's having fun with that, you know, and, and I think uh, it's all, he's always had that in him. It's not like he just, like, improved over, you know, a, a six-month span that he all of a sudden can go from what he was to now. I think he's always been able to, and capable of doing it, um, and this this location just brought it out of him. Is that similar to what you got from Zebo and, and Mark in Memphis? Uh, yeah, it's very similar. Um, you know, just the ability to to change your role and uh, you know not only change it but like really dive in and accept it and, and take ownership of it and responsibility of it because it's a big responsibility to go out there and do what he's doing. Um, and now we now we need that. We rely on that. And, uh, he hasn't missed a beat in any games, and you get that from you know those great players like Mark and Zebo and guys I played with before. I guess kind of along the same lines, like I mean, when Jordan came over here from Cleveland, like he was asked to you know change his shot selection and like kind of different look, and then Will comes and he like wants to pass the ball more and get off the ball more. It seems like he's been really adaptable for the last few years. No, uh, he has uh, a lot more than I, I think he's even thought he capable of doing and uh, like I said having the right people around you sometimes helps with that I know he's I'm in his ear a lot and you know I pass a lot and I tell him that you don't have to pass every time just these particular times are when I think you should and he's like okay yeah and he respects it and, and goes and tries to do it and um, but the other 90% of the time I'm telling him to shoot it and be himself and he loves that and uh, he's, he's done a great job of, of uh, you know taking ownership of his role as well Will's mentioned a few times now that he's trying to strike the right balance between like conveying what he wants guys to do in certain situations but at the same time also recognizing hey JC plays a certain way and I can't you know Bowery plays a certain way and just needing to know when to step back and let guys do their thing how do you see that kind of manifest itself um, it's, it's, it's manifested itself a lot because it's, it's you know we have a team full of guys and we have a bunch of different guys do a lot of different things and, um, and sometimes you can't make everybody happy and that's what the coach always wants to try to do to you know if he loves his players and wants to try to make them better and, but at the same time you have to step in and tell a guy who's shooting too much that they need to pass or tell a guy that doesn't guard anybody to start guarding and, and boxing out or whatever it may be so um, he's done a very good job of mixing it in when to do it and sometimes he lets us do it as players and police ourselves so 
um, it's been pretty good. From a fatigue standpoint, what's the hardest part of the season? Like, are we in it right now? Um, Is it closer to the All-Star break? Is it after? Yeah, I think normally the, I wouldn't say the tough, I think it's the, the weirdest part of the season is about right now. You know, the trade deadline, you got, you know, we've played a lot of games. Guys are either looking forward to a break or getting ready to, you know, whatever plans are being made because you kind of have to plan a little bit so it pops in your head. Mercury retro green. Um, so you're, <laughs> you're, <laughs> your mind can get a little bit jumbled right now, um, and your body's already worn down a little bit this time of the year anyway, so you know, the combination of that kind of adds up. Thank you. You got, you got yeah. plans for the All-Star um, Not really. I'm going to be around here for a little bit, and then maybe get a couple days. You're not planning on making the team? There you go, Jazz. Uh, Point guard Mike Conley. Apparently, he's going to participate in the skills challenge for the NBA. That's pretty cool. Uh, here, <clears throat> obviously, all star festivities in Salt Lake. He won't have to travel far. Uh, Mike tonight, 14 points, three rebounds, three assists, five of 12 from uh, the floor, but four of eight from three. As you and I uh, continue to hope Mike Conley can start uh, shooting the ball at a more efficient clip, you got to love seeing four of eight from three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... You know, and, and again, I've I've harped on this, but when when that number is good, um, the ball movement's really good. And you know, Mike falls into shots. He he comes off of ball screens and shoots, but he is really good when the ball comes back around to him and his feet are set, just like everybody else. So nice to see him get a couple of those shots to fall. Mike's, you know, we talked about it ad nauseum, but he's had an unbelievable floor playing year. But he's starting to make shots now, you know, more more regularly. So that's that's a good sign for the Jazz and for Mike. Yeah, I mean, he's so good for the team in uh, so many ways. You know, like a lo- a loaf of good old pumpernickel bread. A pumpernickel bread, good for you. Good, f- way better for you. Good for the team. Good for the team. Uh, no, but Mike is good for this team in, in so many different ways. And Will Hardy said when he was making his postgame comments, he talked about how this, you know, part of the year can be tough. Mike was talking about there too, but you know, uh, all-star break coming rumors, trade deadline coming, all these things that can be distracting and make it difficult, let alone the, you know, tough kind of middle of the year, the jazz finished their 50th game, uh, Coach Hardy acknowledged having this homestand has made it a little bit easier, but these are kind of the, the the doldrums, if you will, of of the NBA season. The time when it's really you know tough to get up, and you you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, but not really. And you got to stay focused and and uh, play your best basketball. And I would imagine that's that's got to be difficult uh, on any team, but this Jazz team uh, absolutely is. The, it's no secret they're in flux a little bit in the rebuild and. They've been better than expectations, certainly, at the beginning of the year, and it's got to be a little bit complicated, I would guess. Yeah, and, you know, just like that certainly affects the Jazz. I think I liked Will's take that if the Jazz can be strong about it and can kind of just jump into this next few weeks before the All-Star break and really kind of come together, it's a way, because other teams are feeling that, and uh, if the Jazz can be resilient through it, play hard, get wins um it's an opportunity for them to perhaps you know improve their lot in the standings and so it really works both ways but the one thing this team's done all year long they've been very transparent you know um about what's going on who's involved and you know i, I like coach hardy's 
transparency. You you see it, and and I think the guys take comfort in that too. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse, and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own. MySubaruIs.com. More player sound for you coming up next. Jazz beat the Hornets tonight, one twenty to one hundred two. You are listening to Utah Jazz basketball. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my! Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe with you. Jazz win 120-102 to postgame brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Let's get a look at your Master of the Glass presented by uh, Safe Light Auto Glass. Proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader, Lowry Markinen. Sure, master of the glass tonight. 11 rebounds to go along with his 25 points. All of those rebounds, by the way, were defensive rebounds. Walker Kessler added nine boards tonight. The Jazz out-rebounded the Hornets 46-42. to But honestly, the Hornets not a great rebounding team. And uh, not tonight. Their leading rebounder was uh, Jalen McDaniels, who had nine boards to go along with his nine points. Uh, but uh, like the Jazz, they really are are without a dominant rebounder as well. They are, but they they're kind of starting to pick up the slack. I feel like we talk about development improvement. In my mind, that's an area the Jazz have gotten vastly better over the course of the season. Uh, certainly saw it emphasized um, and talked about a bunch that the team has to rebound five in the paint. Um, but it's become less of an issue. You know, the Jazz are doing a much better job rebounding the ball and uh you got to give a ton of credit to the guys obviously uh but the coaching staff for taking you know relative weakness and making the strength and they've got to do it as a team i think we've seen lowry's rebounding uh get better i think we've seen you've pointed this out a bunch and i think you're obviously right on the money as usual walker kessler has uh, become a better rebounder jared vanderbilt um has has been a good rebounder for him he had six tonight in uh in 21 minutes even rudy gay uh went out there and contributed with uh with five uh rebounds so you know that continues to be true for this team when they when they rebound well they do it uh, well together they do and that's you know this team unique team 49 i i think the way that they were put together um i think that's what's required it's a uh, not everybody has the strength, but everybody can be, uh, you know, diligent and, and make the team kind of a, a better rebounding team by just going every time. So they've certainly gotten better at it. And Clarkson, or excuse me, uh, Markinen and Kessler, they're both starting to be rebound gobblers, you know, getting double digits regularly. I mean, I love to see that. So and, and Kessler's starting to get a really good feel on the timing of offensive rebounds, too. All right, let's uh, get some more player sound. Let's go back downstairs and now hear from Ochai Obaji. How's been getting used to the NBA schedule? How's that been? Um, 82 is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Uh, coach was talking to me. It was like a few weeks ago, probably like a month ago. Um, He's talking to me like, all right, we're, we got to the halfway point. He's like, you have a whole another college season. Because like last year in college, I played 40 games. And like, that's the most college you play. So it's like a whole another college season to the end type stuff. So um, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's a long season for 
for real, but uh, there's a lot of ups and downs, and there's a lot of ways where you can get back climbing up um, from different stuff that you go through. Has it been weird dealing with kind of the, the mental turnaround from one game to another? Because, I mean, you'd have a lot more space during college in between games yeah. and, like, dealing with what happened in a loss. And, like, this one, it's like, you lost your bed, on to the next I one. think that's honestly better. Yeah. Everyone would probably prefer that better, to, to go out and get another chance to prove yourself, especially, like, on a back-to-back. Um, that's the coolest thing because, like, in college, you have to wait and sit and wait for a couple days. But, yeah, just the, the, the amount of games, that's the good part about it. Are you hopeful that you can get to play in the Rookie Sophomore Challenge during All-Star Weekend? Uh, hopefully, yeah. Um, you know, whenever, whatever opportunity uh, comes, you know, I'll take it for sure. So. Wouldn't, ra- wouldn't rather have that time off? I would rather have it off, but, <laughs> I mean... Uh, I think it would just be uh, it would be an honor to be a part of uh, All Star Weekend for sure. Ochai Obaji, I like that little honesty there. Well, I'd uh, probably like the time off, but you know what? It's good good for the career and uh, would be good for the fans around here. It'd be fun to see he and Kessler, for that matter, uh, play in that game. And, and as many we heard Mike talking about the Skills Challenge, Mike Conley. It'd be I I want to see as many jazz members participate in all-star weekend as possible i think it's great i mean it's certainly special to have it here in this market and you would think that's what they'd want to do uh, you know you've got the uh you've got geography on your side yeah let's get doke in the dunk contest please yeah actually see if he could rip down the rim i just give her one big yank but we saw doke tonight doke we got did a time. we we did get a few uh few doke minutes out there and it seems like they have been a little bit fewer and farther in between because there haven't been a lot of one-sided victories or losses, for that matter, one way or another with the Jazz. And it's probably important to get a guy like Doak a few minutes. No, it is. Any, anything you can get him right now. And um, it's just a miracle he's out there. What he's been through. Injury-wise. Yeah, oh, exactly. my goodness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's always great to see him out there. Um, and, yeah, I'm glad that the Jazz were up enough that you get him in there. That's, that's a good sign. But Ochai himself had that kind of the little bit of a scary fall. You thought he might have hit his face. He was listed as dealing with a wrist, and uh, good to see him back in there or get put back in. He ended up playing 20 minutes, had eight points tonight, did grab four boards, dished a couple of assists, and continues to play good defense. couple corner threes, you know, did his job being spaced correctly and uh, did a nice job of knocking those in. Uh, just continues to take steps um, in real live games, NBA games, and um, certainly a guy that uh, over the last couple of weeks has developed into a very intriguing piece going forward and this is the you know dumb analysis that you've come to expect from me but i like it that he has a smile on his face the whole time he looks like he's having fun even you you can hear it in his his locker room interviews that he's just seems like he's kind of a a, a not a not only a bright guy what am i looking for you kind of uplifting just he's right. got he got one of those positive mojo positive mojo thank you very much that uh i like seeing players you can tell he's living the dream he, he even said you know He's talking to Coach uh, about how many more games are coming. It's like another uh, college season. And he said, well, that's the great thing about the NBA. You've got another game coming. You know, not the, oh, I'm so tired. But, man, that's the great part about it. And I, and I think you've seen, you know, that approach. And he certainly could have hung his head early. I mean, there are a lot of people saying, you know, what have the Jazz really got here? But yep. you just keep watching. And Coach Hardy did a great job of bringing him along. And 
But but his it's been his attitude, I think. He's certainly played well and he's gone through everything, but his attitude has certainly helped. All right. The Jazz win tonight over the Hornets one twenty to one oh two. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some, share your own, mysubaruis.com. We'll have more for you straight ahead. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Outcome is in the books. Let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Jazz Postgame. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz win 120-102. to 102. Postgame over the Charlotte Hornets. Postgame brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share markmillersubaru.com. Suppose if folks are just tuning in out there, probably good to identify who the Jazz beat the Charlotte Hornets. They beat them Hornets, man. Were, who were somewhat uninspiring, but you'd probably expect that given their record. Uh, and uh, I think they'll be in the mix as... You know, for those lottery balls as we come down the stretch, it'll be interesting. We talked to Locke about how now with 32 to go, you start talking about playoffs and who's going to contend and who's not. And, of course, the trade deadline is going to play into all of that as we pass the 50-game mark uh, on this season. Let's get to the Chick-fil-A foul shot review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick-fil-A earn rewards with the Chick-fil-A 1 app. Tonight, the Jazz from the line were 22 of 26 85%. The Hornets, uh, 24 of 34. A lot of fouls tonight. Um, Lowry Markinen was 5 of 6 at the line tonight. Colin Sexton, how about him being aggressive? 5 of 5 at the line. Jared Vanderbilt was uh, was 4 of 4. Uh, thought maybe we'd have a chance at chicken tonight. Uh, Plumley had a couple of bites at the apple in the fourth quarter, but made them all. In fact, he was 8 of 11 tonight at the line, that awkward uh, foul shot of his. Very awkward, one-handed, uh, but came through. Hey, whatever you got to do to make it go in the go in the hoop. Remember when you. when Shaq tried out the granny for a hot second? Yeah, Rick Barry came in and consulted. Got to try something. Made a couple hundred k. Got to make those foul shots, man. What you really want to do is you want to get that backspin on it. Uh, I honestly think you know Walker Kessler tonight was three or four from uh, from the line. That's going to be something he's going to need to improve on. Be a little more efficient there as uh, he wants to play, I'm sure, in the fourth quarter and in closing minutes. That was something that Rudy Gobert had to really focus on uh, during his time here. To his credit, he got his free throw to a really serviceable place. Remember back in his early years, Hacka Gobert was a thing to try to get him off the floor. He, in an offseason, made sure that they couldn't do that. It's a it's a thing. You gotta you gotta make those foul shots, as we've seen with Walker Kessler. It's an easy, or excuse me, Lowry Markinen. Uh, it's an easy way to be consistent. We saw it with Carl Malone for years. Yeah, and you know Walker's ability, his balance, you know, to be able to start getting moves down there where he shot fakes guys and gets them up in the air. But you do that when you feel like you're going to make those free throws. So um, definitely a, a piece of Walker's game that needs to get better. But I think he's got the skill to do it. I think he'll be a good free throw shooter in time. Speaking of Walker, let's go back downstairs to the locker room. It's time to hear from the Jazz rookie. Will was talking about how after that Kyrie shot mm-hmm. that you, when you watch it on film you're like I, I thought I was up mm-hmm. but it's like that one step is actually the difference that it makes how often do you think you're having those moments when you're going back and watching film these days where you're like the biggest differences are right a little minute details um 
you know, well, like you said, at this level, like, detail is everything. Um, like, one step higher, you know, maybe one more jab. Um, so there's a lot of times, you know, going back in the film, you know, I should have done this, could have done this. Um, but you just got to, you know, it's over with. But take it, learn from it. You know, and apply it to your next game or next matchup. How hard is that to absorb those things and apply them? Um, not not too hard. You know, obviously there's there's flow in the game moments um, where you just kind of have to play instinctually, and obviously you're still going to mess up. I'm not saying like I'm never not going to step up on a screen or whatever, but um, you know, you just try to learn it, and apply it to your next game, and then like depending on matchups, you know, you can really focus on it for that game, um, stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm just rambling. That's I ramble right. a lot. Probably got to work just on that. Just keep going. No, <laughs> yeah, until I say something. Yeah. We're not looking for gotcha moments. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what's impressive to you about Lowry? Obviously, like, for those of us who've been, like, covering the league for a while, like, we can see the step up he's mm-hmm. taken this year. But just for you, like, being teammates with him, you know, year one, like, what do you see out of the way he plays, out of the way he prepares? You know, I think everyone sees how he plays, obviously. He's extremely talented, extremely skilled, um, but not everyone sees, like, the off-court stuff. He's one of the most humble guys I've ever ever met. Um, and for the position he's in, he I'm not saying he has every right to not be humble, but, like, I mean, he's an unbelievable guy. Um, unbelievable teammate has helped me with a lot of stuff um, so you know I think everyone sees like how good he is on the court but I just want to comment on like the kind of character he has as a person it's a good campaign manager move right yeah. there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <y'all> noticed. <laughs> unbelievable stuff out of Walker today um, Will has been talking about how like he's trying to navigate that balance between like pushing guys to do certain things he wants versus mm-hmm trying to recognize guys' tendencies and, and, and acknowledge, okay, sometimes they just need to get out of their way and let them do the things that they do. Mm-hmm. How have you kind of seen that play out? Um, you know, Coach is such a high intellectual, um, just what he draws up and what he tells us. So there's a combination between that, and I think he does a really good job of it, of, you know, making a certain play, making a certain call versus, you know, letting a guy like JC, for example, an unbelievable ISO player, you know, letting him work out sometimes. Um, so I, I think, you know, he's, he's done an unbelievable job of it. Thanks, Walker. Thanks, Walker. Yeah, appreciate you Walker Kessler, as uh, he was certainly better tonight than he was uh, on Friday, and he had addressed that. Learning moments coming out the next night and trying to be better. Walker tonight, 13 points, nine boards, didn't get a block shot, uh, five to six from the field, but particularly in the second half, uh, played a lot better. And his middle name is Ross, we learned in Crosstalk. We did, as he did his walk-off interview, and David said Claimed they were friends. He said, well, what's my middle name? And David had to look it up. You and I had looked it up at one point, so I think we were both sque- screaming into the microphone, Ross! And then I wanted to use Bruce, because I like... And you did drop that in. Yeah. People need to know the legend, Ron Boone's middle name is Bruce. So if you greet him on the street as Bruce, you'll definitely get it. You say Ron, he may, you know, you say Bruce, he can't help, but how do they know my middle name? We are very formal. We like middle names on this show, uh, apparently. But I like Walker. Uh, He and Ochai both. Uh, uh, Great attitude. Uh, It translates through their postgame comments, I think. You can can hear it through uh, how they're talking. And you can tell Walker wants to get better. 
And, you know, now that needs to translate into the work on and off the floor and all that good stuff that uh, Coach Hardy talks about all the time. But, man, the signs are, are pointing up for that dude. And the best part is it's not, you know, we're, we're not taking somebody's word. He's really good in practice. You should see him. In, we're seeing him in live reps uh, against the world's best every night. And, you know, he's in a situation with Kelly out that he's got to start and, and go out there. And he's done a great job. I mean, he's certainly learning and he's taking some lumps like the other night. And he understands that when you are supposed to be, you know, even with the ball screen, that means even with it. You can't be a step below it because in the NBA, that's, you know, Kyrie sees it and yep. the ball's up before you can get there. So learns the hard lessons, but has put in the work to to physically develop already. And that's going to that's gonna be the game changer when he starts to just mature, right? Uh, we saw it with Rudy. When his body starts to change as, as well, you know, really good things. You know, I imagine when you get into the NBA and everybody's good, those details are really tough to learn. Or at least master, you know what I mean? Because those little details matter because everybody's really good. And you know the one thing, though, that everybody isn't? Everybody isn't humble and no. teachable. And everybody isn't, um, you know, willing to sometimes have to play second fiddle because most guys have always been the show. So there is something to, you know, the way these guys have come in, uh, approached their work, put themselves in a position confidence-wise to get the coaches to play them, and then now being out on the floor and having really good things happen. That's it's exactly the life cycle of what you want to have happen as a coach and a player. But, you know, we've been able to watch it. It's pretty cool. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some, share your own. MySubaruIs.com. Jazz beat the Hornets tonight, 120 to 102. We put a wrap on this one. Coming up next, stay tuned. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my! There you go. That's your play of the game. And our guy, David Locke, on the call. It is brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection. LHMauto.com. Driven by you. Jazz win tonight over the Hornets, 120-102. to 102. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Uh, Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. MarkMillerSubaru.com. Jazz led tonight by Lowry Markinen, efficient 25 points tonight, 8 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 5 of 6 from the line. He also grabbed 11 rebounds, had a couple assists, a steal, and a block. Another great game from Lowry Markinen. Jordan Clarkson with 18 tonight on 8 of 16 shooting. Mike Conley had 14 points. Walker Kessler with 13 to go along with 9 rebounds. Colin Sexton had 11 uh, coming in off the bench, 3 of 8 from the field for him, but uh, 5 for 5 at the line, had 3 assists, a couple of rebounds. I like what you said earlier when I talked to you uh, on uh, on my show, Coach, talking about his energy and his presence. We haven't talked a lot about Colin Sexton tonight in this particular postgame, but maybe that's because that's we see that consistent energy no matter what from that guy. 
and it is um, at times, you know, his the the speed and the energy with which he plays kind of becomes a. It can be a, it can be divisive too because he gets going too fast and he he had two of the six turnovers early in that first quarter. But I just believe that the good that comes from his ability to go in there and just kind of create chaos, um, it helps this team and it helps them transition from that first group to second group. And I think they're starting to kind of get an identity around that. Well, and as he continues to hone it and get better and make those better reads that we've heard him talk about and coach talk about, I mean. I like what you've uh, you've said about him from the beginning of the season. You'd rather have to slow somebody down than speed them up, you know. As the game slows down for him, you know, and that energy continues on both sides of the ball. I mean, I think that's why you're going to see him play some pretty productive, you know, games slash years for this Jazz franchise. And this much I do know: a guy that is, you know, really, really good to be around. You know, um, heard great things about him. You know, since he's got here, and more than anything, a guy that works at it, like wants it in the worst way, holds himself, you know, to a crazier standard than most, but um, really like what he does for the team. And I think in time, as he as he gets more comfortable with the role, he's going to be really good in it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool story uh, with, with Sexton so far uh, this year. For the Hornets, uh, they were short LaMelo Ball. Terry Rozier was 9 of 23, led the way for them with uh, 23 points. Uh, Plumley had 18. Gordon Hayward had 11. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. had a nice night. Uh, coach, 6 of 11, coming in off the bench in 29 minutes. He had 15 points and 9 assists for Dennis Smith. As uh, you know, he got that start in uh, in Dallas, moved in the Porzingis deal with New York, and kind of uh, has struggled to live up to the hype coming into the league. And uh, maybe landing with the Hornets is a good thing for him, take the pressure off a little bit. He played well tonight. Oh, he definitely did. Um as we said, a lot of big names on that. Yeah. He was fourth or fifth in the draft, right? Uh, fifth, I believe. I can go back and okay. look. Hang yeah, I, I do believe it was right there. But um, NC State, you know, was a guy who was really highly recruited. Actually, a guy who I worked with, Heath Schroyer, uh, who is now the athletic director at McNeese State, but he was on the staff at BYU with me for a year, uh, had coached Dennis the year before at NC State. So told me just, you know, off the chart, explosive scorer, jumper, all that. Um, but he just hasn't found it um, yet, and still young enough. You know, maybe he could get something going here. Apologies, corrections, and retractions. He went ninth. Okay, I thought he went a little bit higher than that. That was uh, <clears throat> the Donovan Mitchell draft. If he did you slide, remember. remember, he I did. Think he was expected to go higher, and he dropped a little. That was Fultz one, Lonzo Ball two, Tatum three, Josh Jackson four, De'Aaron Fox five, Jonathan Isaac, who by the way played tonight, his first game in over nine hundred days. Uh, Jonathan Isaac played for the Magic. He went six. Lowry Markinen at seven, Frank Nilakina at eight, and then Dennis Smith Jr. at nine. Zach Collins at ten, Malink Monk at eleven. And De'Aaron Fox, we're watching right now, just on. The Kings are dismantling a jawless and Stephen Adamless Memphis Grizzlies team. But I'm telling you, man, this this was a close game, and in the fourth quarter, the Kings just threw the threw, put on the gas and just ran away. They're from fun them. to watch. They're good. They're yeah, good. fun they're f- team. Great story. Want to remind you about the Utah Jazz Most Valuable Educators, presented by Instructure, the makers of Canvas. Throughout the season, the Utah Jazz and Instructure will recognize 14 MVEs. Each one will receive a visit from Jazz Bear, $1,000 grant, a personalized jersey, and tickets to see a jazz game in a suite. Go to utahjazz.com slash MVE to nominate your favorite educator 
right now. Coach Combs, let's get a, a couple final thoughts from you on this one before we turn the page. You know, the Jazz, as we said, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but kind of expected they've been in that rhythm where they're playing all the time, and um, they actually got a couple of nights off, and that was great. But it took them a minute to get it together, um, and it really was just kind of the intensity required to compete. Um, I thought the six turnovers really slowed them down, but once they figured that out, um, definitely put the hammer down, had a nice defensive night, uh, won the battle of the glass. Lowry really played well, shot the ball efficiently, rebounded it. Walker took a step up tonight after disappointment. Sexton was good, um, and Conley shot the ball well. Just a, a overall great team win, and um, you know it's exciting that, like David said, we're in the 30s now, uh, and you know we we probably should start looking at the, the standings each night. It's, it's getting interesting. 32 to go. 32 mole. 50 down, 32 to go. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.